This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast by two best friends dissecting slasher movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. My name is B. Bass. And we are here this week to talk to you about a movie called Most Likely to Die. But before we get into that, we're going to do our weekly kind of pop culture check-in, talk about the things we've been reading, watching, listening to whatever we want to talk about really i mean i if i like cooked an interesting meal i would talk about it but i don't cook so i'll mostly just talk about things i watched or read uh b you watched a bunch this week what did you watch um so let's see i started with so it was halloween last week so i did watch hocus pocus as i do every halloween and it's now gotten to the point where i realized that i have it memorized like I can say the lines yep so watching it with my nephew who is four and he really likes it which is nice like he loves Halloween and it's exciting to see that but we were like watching it and he's like I have to put on like after we finished it he's like puts on Rugrats which makes me even happier because yes. I'm like oh my god my four-year-old nephew's watching Rugrats he puts on Rugrats because the, the witches will be in his nightmares. And so he has to watch cartoons. But then he still wants to watch it, and it's great. Yeah, that's so, what I used to do. It's yeah. a good... Hocus Pocus is totally a good gateway horror movie. Yeah. It's one of those ones, like, that and Scooby-Doo are good for kids to watch. Yeah. I asked if we could do Monster House, and my sister said, no, Monster House is too scary for him right at this point. He gets up to the house, and he says, turn it off, turn it off. It is scary. Yeah. Well, I saw Monster House in theaters, and remember, there are two horror movies for like that were made for kids that I saw in theaters, and distinctly remember thinking, this is scary. Like, this would scare. Yeah. If I was eight years old, this would scare the shit out of me, and it was Monster House and Coraline. Oh, yeah. I saw both of those in theaters. Monster House, let's see, 2006? So, yeah, so Kate and I went and saw it, and I we were in eighth grade. I graduated. Yep, the old man. Cool. So, we were 13, 14, and we were like, oh, this is kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. This is, so we're like looking around, there's just like a bunch of kids surrounding us. We're like, I'm a little creeped out, and all right, cool. So, I was definitely like 20 when Coraline yeah. came out, and I still was like, this is weird. Yeah, it was really creepy. All the button stuff, like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, no, it nice. definitely creeped me out. Yeah. But it's good. I like that he's getting into it, and I can kind of pass that love on to him. Um. So yeah, and then I watched Trick or Treat, of which course. was the best. And I was Sam for Halloween, so anytime Sam came on the screen, I excitedly shouted, "Hey, there I am!" Yeah. We got drunk on Halloween. Yeah. Yes, and Trick or Treat was definitely on, and B definitely did that a lot. Yeah, it's great. She made us rewind a lot. I'm very charming when I'm drunk. Yeah, that's a word. Yeah, charming. The first word to describe me intoxicated. Um, I watched Freddy vs. Jason for the first time. First time ever. Yeah. For I Freddy vs. Jason, which it's blew so my mind because we are both, as you obviously know, if you're tuning in, big slasher fans. Not only are we big slasher fans, we're both really big Nightmare on Elm Street fans. So I was very shocked to find out. Um, 
B's Husband is actually his favorite franchise is Friday the 13th, oh. which is pretty low ranking oh. for both of us. It's just when you like talk about, you know, like your big five, I guess. You, like to me, there are five big slasher, well, six, I guess, icons. And it's Michael, Freddy, Jason, Leatherface. And then for me, Chucky and Ghostface fall in there. Yeah. And I would put Jason second to last in front of Leatherface only because I'm not super familiar with the Texas Chainsaw movies. Yeah. Like, if I was just basing it off Texas Chainsaw 1 against every single Friday the 13th movie I've seen, it would be Leatherface above Jason. Because mm-hmm. that movie is obviously, I mean, it's to amazing. me, it's it's amazing. But, uh, yeah, that is his favorite franchise. Yeah. I, I think that's why I hadn't seen Freddy vs. Jason, because I love Nightmare on Elm Street. I love the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. I can watch any of those movies over and over. I think they all have their merits, their charms. Mm-hmm. And so, and I never, I'm just now, like, Jason's growing on me in the Friday the 13th franchise. Like, it's getting, it's growing on me. I need to, I I think I need to watch it back to back. What do you mean? Oh, like like from one to 12? So, I've done one through four in one sitting. Right. And And to me, two and three have always been the best. I like four. Four is my favorite out of one through four. I think two is my favorite. The first one where Jason shows up. Yeah. And I like three, and Those, I know it's made for 3D, so it's like yeah. very shiny. I don't know, I have them. I have like the DVD yeah. set. And oh, me too, with the red and yeah. blue. Yeah, yeah. But those to me should be one movie. One through four should be one movie. Which Pretty is much. what they did in, in the remake. Yeah. That's why it's the best. Right. They condensed four movies worth of stuff into one film. Because it didn't need to be four movies. So I think that's why I hadn't watched it, because I was like, nope, screw Jason. And also, like, it came at a time where, I mean, a baby so I was very young when that movie came out and it wasn't something I could go see in theaters and wasn't my mom was never like she was always like horror but she was never like a big slasher fan like she just watched them with me to appease you yeah because I'm like come on please please can we watch this so yeah I watched it and it ages decently yeah it being the first time I'm seeing it 2003 it's what 2017 yeah uh yeah yeah it aged pretty well um, I think the hardest thing for me to get over was that I wasn't a huge fan of the final girl. Um, oh yeah. You really disliked her. Yeah. Like not a fan whatsoever. So, but besides that, I mean, like Jason Ritter. Fun. I love Jason Ritter. Yeah. I think he's great. And I think all of the stuff like with Jason and Freddie was super cool. England's last appearance is Freddie. Yeah. So it's, a, I mean, we, we talked about it briefly too, and it's a shame. Kane Hodder didn't reprise his role. Yeah. As Jason, which was kind of like, I've read and heard a lot about that being kind of a backhanded deal, which sucks, and that so it makes it a little harder to enjoy the movie. It was also, for me, it was the first movie I ever saw in theaters that was rated R. I snuck into it. I think we bought tickets to go see some rom-com, which I would have been equally okay with seeing, but we went and saw Freddy vs. Jason, and I there's definitely a nostalgia factor for me yeah. when I see it. I, I rewatch it almost every year because I do enjoy it. I agree with you, The Final Girl is not the best actress. And she was in Dawson's Creek, which I'm a huge fan of. Two weeks in a row that I've brought up Dawson's Creek, by the way. Probably um, every episode yeah. they'll find a way to bring up Dawson's Creek. It's like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with Dawson's Creek. And she uh, was in that show, and she wasn't the best in that show either, but I do enjoy that movie. Um, oh, and it has, oh, I'm forgetting her name, but from Ginger Snaps and American Dad. Uh, Catherine Isabel? Yeah. She should have been the final girl. And it has 
um, what's her face? Gabrielle Union? No, 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 no. It's the girl. Kelly Rowland. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. It's I okay. Was ben bad. was like, is that Brandy? And I'm like, wrong one. No, yeah. That's, I know what you did too. Was... And he's like, oh, I kind of got there. Yeah, um, Kelly so, Rowland. Yeah. yeah. And the guy from all the scary movie, or from the first scary movie, who was also in Shriek, if you know what I did last Friday the 13th. He was also in it. So, yeah, pretty good. I didn't care for the Jason in it, but I know that was super intentional. Um, they wanted, like, a slower more, which I don't, that's my least favorite thing about Jason is how, like, big and slow he is. But it was fun. I I look forward to, like, watching it again and, mm-hmm. and seeing it again. And it's nice to, like, see my husband, like, look at me. Like, he never gets to expose me to horror, ever. Yeah. And so when he's, like, he just puts it on and I was like, is this i'm like is this a youtube video like what's happening he's like what freddie first you've never seen this he like got so excited so that was fun and i saw the hills have eyes remake for the first time oh that was the first time you'd seen it oh did not make pre-show she talked about this did not make that connection so i've seen the original many times um and i miss you us miss you every day yeah I like that movie it's not my favorite of his but i like it but i like it and I think I've been trying to think about like why I'm not crazy about Hills Have Eyes, and so the remake was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I like Dan Bird, River Town. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, love him. Uh, when it came out, by the way, you might be. I mean, you didn't see it when yeah. it came out. It was a huge deal because of that rape scene. In yeah, it because which is it's hard. Graphic. It's really graphic. Yeah, it's... that was a really big deal when it came out. Uh, and I definitely remember, like, I remember people at school talking about it. They're like, "Did you see Hills of Eyes?" And at the uh, at the time, uh, I was seeing a lot of horror movies in theaters. I hadn't gone yet because my girlfriend at the time hated them, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't get to see it." All my friends were telling me they're like, "Yeah, there's a pretty brutal scene in there." And once I finally did see it, I realized. I mean, there's a lot of really, really graphic violence. Alexandra or Alexander Aja is known for that, but that scene in particular was rough. It's super hard to watch. It's really well done, and it's it's the scariest part of the film. I think everything past that just really dips down. It's blood and guts after that. And which normally I'm all for, but because they set such a dark, disturbing tone, and then it changes into this sort of like all-out Texas Chainsaw type of um, attitude, it was hard for me. Like It had tone issues. To me, that is the biggest difference between that and the original, is Wes was still riding the last house on the left kind of dread intention in Two Hills Have Eyes, so that tension carries through of, Mm -hmm. like, it's not a straight in-your-face horror action blood gore fest, but more, like, that whole scene in the remake where they're attacking the trailer and they're lured out and then the dad is caught on fire... Very tense. And then the rest so of the movie tense. is really just over the top, like, yeah. blood. Yeah. It's really well acted. Mm-hmm. Everybody in it is is excellent. Um, I really disliked that my least favorite character is the one who survives till the end. Yeah. I mean, he's... you, and, and maybe that's, like, the slasher lover in me is when they... Most slashers, especially the Friday series, they paint these, like, bad characters, these, like, people who do bad things or just, like shitty kids and then you get to watch them die right and it's fun yeah and instead i get this guy who's like checking out his sister-in-law and on a business phone and complaining to his wife who has their like baby their newborn baby 
and he's just an ass and he survives till the end and I'm like oh I really wanted him to die I feel like I do remember it's been a while since I watched it yeah. but I do remember him having some like personal growth in the movie though I remember Saving a little child. I remember a little bit of like hoorah like doesn't he kill someone with an American flag not that I recall but maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention there is a sequel so it could be yeah. the sequel the sequel they're all be. soldiers I, I don't know I can't remember I'm getting them I could be getting yeah. them I don't know. It, I mean, it was decent. I think, and like I said, I was trying to figure out why I'm like, not, wasn't crazy about the original. I like the original. I do, and I've seen it multiple times. Um, and this, I don't know if I'll ever rewatch. Um, I mean, maybe. It's not bad. I don't think it was a bad movie. I don't think I've watched it in like a decade. Yeah, but it's not one of those where I'm like, oh yeah, let's put on Real Side Eyes. Well, like, it's definitely not like a background no, movie. No, it's not. It's rough. Yeah. And it has really good moments, but I think it's because there are the ones like Texas Chainsaw where you have this sort of fear of like being a backwoods redneck, and mm. which is very easy for Ryan and I to have that fear because we come from a small town yeah. where if you drive up a dirt road, you're not going to find like this mutilated people because of nuclear bombings, but you're going to find people who will be gladly pull a gun on you because you're stepping on their property. Yeah. And... You know, there's always that was like kind of not e- a legitimate fear for us. Like, do mm-hmm. not go on property that does not belong to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you just don't do that. Uh, so that's an easy thing to have a fear for me. But then I see, like, I love the wrong term movies. Like, I know. So, and a Texas Chainsaw. So when you already have so many franchises out there and movies that put this sort of, like, be weary of strangers in deserted towns when they are this dark tone it's harder for me to get into but yeah i liked it i think it was really well acted and a decent remake um yeah and then the last thing i saw which you know unpopular opinion i watched the new mummy the beginning of dark universe i watched it this morning with my husband who was a massive fan of the uh, brendan fraser in general a huge fan of like like weirdly like weirdly i'm a big fan of like brendan frazier's the mummy (laughs) and i even really enjoy encino man but ben like just genuinely likes brendan frazier which is fine he's a likable actor he kind of reminds me of like keanu reeves he's not the best actor but he's likable keanu reeves isn't likable oh i guess he is but okay not a fan but i like brendan frazier whatever uh i've seen bedazzled or is that what it's called? It yeah, is. Bedazzled. Yeah. Probably more times than anybody should really watch that movie. If it's more than once, then yeah, that's yeah, more times like than 10. any. Oh. It was on TV a lot. God, no. But I liked it. That monkey bone. Oh, Jesus. no, I never watched that one. That was like an SNL thing, right? No, Chris Kattan was just in it. Oh. Yeah. Maybe that's why I just always like, oh, this is a, an, an SNL, SNL thing. Yeah. Uh, when the Universal Globe in the very beginning turns around and instead of just saying like universal it says dark universe i seriously got like butterflies oh it's cool i mean universal movies yeah universal monster movies are my gateway into horror as a kid my mom wouldn't let me watch horror movies unless they were black and white unless they were in (laughs) black and white so i grew up my whole life because she and her head rationalized if it's in black and white it's probably not that bad because it's old so I grew up watching all of the Universal Monster Classics. So I grew up on, I mean, my favorite is Creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm a big fan of the opera fan, but Dracula, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, all of them. 
So I'm a huge Universal like advocate, and anytime they've tried to do any of these reboots with the Wolfman or Dracula Untold or the Mummy with Brendan Fraser, I've bought into all of them. And and I I'm probably one of the few people who actually was like, I didn't hate the Wolfman and I did not hate Dracula Untold. I actually enjoyed both those movies. I did not enjoy the Mummy movie. I did not enjoy Wolfman. Oh, I liked it. I, I thought it had some cool effects. Anthony Hopkins is a great actor. I mean, it's long. It's a long movie. Uh, but I, to me, Tom Cruise is just so dumb in this movie. It really drove me nuts. The only... I really enjoyed it. I thought it could have been more fun. Mm-hmm. I think it tried to be sort of... I mean, they get Jake Johnson, who's great, but mm-hmm. they kill him off real early. Mm-hmm. Um I think they try and do the sort of lighthearted tone, and they just didn't push it far enough. They, I think it would have been more successful, because I was trying to think, I was like, I was enjoying it. It was beautiful. All the effects were spectacular. The like big budget just, I really played into that. I loved how everything looked. It scared me. I, genu- I'm, I have a fear of birds. Yeah. That might have helped you, actually. I think I think it did help me because that's the beginning of the film. And when she's like starting her like when she's laying there and she's deciding she's gonna go to the dark side and the tattoos start and there's like chandeliers of birds. I was like, What what is this? Why are these birds as chandeliers and why they're flapping their wings? And the birds literally make the plane come to that was terrifying. Oh, just thinking about it just gets me going. It was scary. And yeah, and there was some creepy spiders and just everything looked great. I think it really lacked in all of the character development. All mm-hmm. of it was poor. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not a big Russell Crowe fan. I really liked his part aspect of it. I I really wish that he had changed more in the transformation because I'm also a big Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Too. Hyde fan. And even in something as campy and not really great like The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I, that movie. I really liked Jekyll and Hyde, the transformation, how different Hyde was. Because, like, Hyde to me, I understand, I've re- I read the book, I get it, like, he doesn't change that much. But, but like, I always want more of a transformation. And Crow's, like, eyes change color and, like, he got a little... Got like veiny. Yeah, he got veiny and like some, some claws. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but it, like I wanted more. Like I, I do. I am one of the people that likes when Hyde is more like, like monster. monster than like, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like. So I, I wanted more from that because I love all of that crap. I love like anytime I'm watching a movie, I'm like, oh my god, this character from this thing that I love is in this thing that I love. Especially like when it happens in horror movies. It's part of the reason I love slashers. And then it's, I think it all stems from Universal because there were so many times that the Universal monsters all mixed over. So I love all that stuff. And I just – I think a lot of what you're saying resonates with how I felt, which was nothing was far enough. It wasn't scary enough. It wasn't fun enough. Like they didn't push Crow enough. And then Tom Cruise was really dumb. And I've seen him now. I just like – he's hard to believe as dumb. Because he's such an intelligent character in so many movies. In like every too. movie he's yeah, in, he's like he like hasn't his... been the dumb guy since ever. I don't know since I like. So some... maybe that's your biggest issue is like trying to believe Tom Cruise, who comes from all of these great action franchises, and trying to look at him and be like, this guy 
this is the wrong actor to play dopey dumb guy who stumbles into adventure, which Brendan Fraser did very well. Right, exactly. And also, that. even the whole movie, too, he's not like Indiana Jones adventure where he's like suave at it. He's like bumbly adventure guy. No, he guy. does. He stumbles into all of these. He's like, well, let's do this. And, and I was like, I happens. can't buy this. Yeah, I get that. And I liked that. I liked that the character did that. And that's part of the aspect. So, and maybe. I'm feeling so warm towards it because I've heard nothing but bad things. And so I was like, I think people are overreacting. I don't think it's as terrible as everybody was saying. And I still got enjoyment out of it. I loved looking at it. Yeah. Loved it. It's a good looking movie. It's such a good looking movie. It happens when you spend $200 million on a movie. Which, please, keep spending it because I'd love to see it. Gotta make it back. Uh, yeah. I think it, it, I think it did domestically. Barely. Barely. Worldwide. So, yeah, not domestically. 400 worldwide. worldwide. Yeah. yeah, Barely. So, I'll be interested to see where they take... I'm excited for the rest of the movies and... If they keep going. Yeah, that whole... That's a mess. I mean, it's all a mess. Yeah. All of those rights. If Bill Condon makes Bride of Frankenstein, I'd be happy. He did an excellent job with Beauty and the Beast, so... Uh, I watched, because like we said, we were wrapping up Halloween, so I had a double feature night where I watched Trick or Treat and Halloween. Of course, I had to get those movies in. Trick or Treat is top, probably top three horror movies for me, and Halloween also top three. Um, so I got both those in. I watched Stranger Things. We both watched Stranger Things, and I absolutely loved it. I think it's fantastic. It's not, it's, it's one little tiny peg under the first one but the fact that like the first one was such a cultural phenomenon that you're never going to live up to that it's impossible like you just can't and uh the fact that they got close even to me is outstanding while still building like new characters and new ideas and i still love like all of the characters in it so stranger things is definitely a big part of this week uh, and then mostly just TV. Like, I was watching all the Halloween episodes, everything. That's one of my favorite things to do is just watch Halloween episodes of my favorite shows. So, like, just, like, anything from, you know, Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, to Modern Family, to whatever whatever I'm watching. I just like Halloween episodes. So, I was catching up on all of those. And I'm reading Slash of the Titans. So, that's the, uh, you know, the book about the making of Freddy vs. Jason. So, I'm reading my way through that, which is... Uh, the book looks small, and then you open it, and the, the font is super tiny. So it's actually a pretty substantial read. But it's a lot of fun because there's a lot of stuff that I just didn't know. And, you know, they talk about Wes and, and all these, like, horror icons and creators that I love so much. So that's a lot of fun. And I picked up the John Carpenter Anthology vinyl, which was also a blast. If you get a chance to listen to it, um, he's just so – blows my mind that he's that talented. Makes me sad because I'll never be that talented. <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm going to direct like all these super famous movies and I'll do the score. No no big deal. Whatever. I'll just create one of those iconic horror scores of all time while directing the movie. It's cool. And I helped like I helped write it. Sweet. Thanks, John Carpenter. Uh, yeah, and now we can move on to not the best written movie of all time, but enjoyable. This week's movie is Most Likely to Die, uh, which is from director Anthony de Blasi. Um, it stars Heather Morris from Glee, uh, Perez Hilton from PerezHilton.com, Ryan Doom, Tatum Miranda, and Jake Busey has a cameo, but he does get top billing, which is, uh, oh, interesting. That's like, well, fourth billing. Yeah. He's on, he's on the cover. Yeah. And he's probably has 
three minutes of screen time. Yeah. But, I mean, he's Jake Busey. Yeah. He was in The Frighteners. I guess he gets a pass. In the um, Dusk Till Dawn TV show. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's like a main character. I watched that show. What season? I got like through the first season. Yeah, he's the like professor. Maybe I didn't get through the first season. Hmm. He's like a creep. And then he's like obsessed with the um, whole vampires and... I do not remember that. Yeah, he's main character. Oh. Hmm. I'll have to go back and watch it. Uh, De Blasi has made a little bit of a name for himself in the horror world. Um, I guess uh, it came out May 13th, 2016, so it's actually a much more recent film than Urban Legend. And the main reason B and I wanted to cover it is because it's one that her and I have actively disagreed on with how much we like the movie, with her liking it a lot more than me. But this was, I think, like my third viewing, and I went in a little more open-minded... And I still don't love it, but it did, like, especially after, like, approaching things from the podcast view, like, format, it wasn't the worst movie. De Blasi has done a, I haven't seen, did you see any of his other ones, Dread Missionary? I actually watched, Last Shift's on Netflix, so I watched that after I watched this, and I liked it more. It's It's more of a ghost story, though, and I thought it was really good and had some good jump scares. And he has one coming out called Extremity, which I've heard nothing about. Yeah, so I've seen the cover for Dread. Dread came out in 2009. I've seen that cover a bunch. Uh, I haven't seen any of his other stuff. So Dread, 2009, Missionary, 2013, Last Shift, 2014, which is on Netflix, you said. I think Dread was on Netflix. I think I you're right. I remember is. seeing yeah. the cover a lot. Yeah. It, oh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. So, oh, Jackson Rathbone from Twilight was in Dread. Nice. He was also in S. Darko. It's written by Laura Brennan, who we can't find anything about. She she is this is B's note, literally. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Maybe a mystery novelist now, no wiki. Maybe found a Twitter. Yeah. It's in her Twitter, if it was her, I didn't write down what it was, but it was just all novels. And I I'm pretty sure it's it's gotta be her. Um, unless this woman literally has no internet presence anymore and there just happens to be another writer that's into like the mystery world so it's probably her if you're a big mystery novelist and you liked this movie maybe check her out laura brennan um the fun fact about this though is that laura brennan which is probably why we can't really find out a lot about her even though the movie came out in 2016 is that according to a few reports that i read is that she wrote this script in the 90s during the retro horror heyday of Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. So it's literally a post-Scream script. Mm. But it sat on shelves for, obviously, almost 20 years. And then now, it, like, literally, it sat for almost 20 years. Oh, and... my God. I'm so old. <laughs> and then now it's coming out. So... It, it feels like it too. Once B told me that, it made a lot more sense because it does feel like a post, like a post stream slasher, like old. Like when I watched it, I, it felt dated. Like the 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 humor, not the humor, but like the the banter that happened and kind of like the back and forth between the characters. And part of it is because the cast isn't like the best, but part of it too, just it felt different. And I could tell. I was like, this is not like up to date. And now that I think about it, weirdly, no cell phones in the movie. I think they make a reference of there's one reference where like Perez Hilton goes, he must have a jammer 
Like, they no, must be yeah, jamming our lives. No, we cell phones a couple times. But I think, like, watching it, I think it's a throw-in. Yeah. Like, it's a throwaway line. Oh, definitely. Line. They had to have. Because, yeah. because it's barely referenced, and with a th- garbage throwaway line, like, oh, I think he's jamming it. Our cell phone service. Yeah, they make a few comments, like, when the panic starts. Yeah. So, pro- there's a few things that date it, and um, Perez Hilton's character, Freddie, makes a comment that I really loved as they're talking about high school reunion. So, this movie is uh, based around a high school reunion. Right. And part of what dates it is that's not really something that ha- – it happens. They definitely happen. We have a friend who just went to one. But Ryan's tenure just came up. Yep. Didn't happen. Uh, they, oh, well, yeah. It was supposed to happen, and then they sent a Facebook message out, and they're like, it's going to be at the bar. Like the bar that everyone in town goes to anyways that still lives there. And then like a day before it was supposed to happen, everyone just got a message, and it was like, Due to lack of interest, there will be no 10-year reunion. And it was Ryan's, too. So, mm-hmm. or Ben's, too. Yeah. Uh, B's husband. It was both of our reunion. And it's because of the social media, in like, the age we live in, everyone's connected anyways. So there's not a lot of need for it. Yeah. So if you want to find somebody that you went to high school with, you just Google them. Yep. You find them on Facebook. You find them on Twitter, Instagram, or the news headlines. You know, so if you have any curiosity, because I think a big appeal for high school reunions was to either show off what you had done in your life mm-hmm. if you were. So I like make a note. I'm like, I find it really interesting. They convince a TV star. One of the characters is a successful uh, a TV star, and they convince him to go to their small town high school reunion. He has ulterior motives, which we find out about, but. That's just not something that would really happen. No. Yeah. It really doesn't. And I don't know. So it's interesting. That's part of what, when you, when I read this script has been sitting and it was a post-screen script been sitting since the nineties or early two thousands, I was like, oh, well an entire movie based around people, friends meeting up for a high school reunion makes more sense. Yeah. So it makes it more plausible. Yeah, the, the general synopsis is a group of former classmates gather for a pre-party at one of their homes the night before their 10-year high school reunion, and one by one, they are brutally slain in a manner befitting each his senior yearbook superlative. So when they get to the house, it's a group of friends. Uh, you're not going to see a lot of big names here. Like I said, Heather Morris and Perez Hilton are the biggest ones. Everyone else has had bit roles and things, but most of them don't even have like their own Wikipedia page. You'll find them on IMDb, of course. And then Heather Morris, this was maybe right in the middle of Glee or no, post Glee. No, it's post Glee. Uh, yeah, it's definitely post Glee. And I was just reading up on it too, and it said like she was already tapped for the role when they came to De Blasi with the script, and then so was Pres Hilton because they wanted an internet presence. Yeah. So uh, B and I were discussing that too, maybe thinking they were like, oh, if we put you in the movie, you can your you know your website gets traffic, we can draw some attention to it. I don't know exactly because he's. I would like to see the screen test of the other actors who auditioned for this I role. Mean, you have to look at the production company. So Snowfall Films is a productionary production company that did it. And it's super, super indie. Like, yeah. I looked at the website, which, you know, as a designer, I'm going to be critical of. But looks like it, it had, this movie wasn't on it. Hadn't been updated in a long time. Looks like maybe it was made in the early 2000s. Right. Um, there's kind of a Facebook page. Super, super indie company. If you are, like, looking for marketing, you think of Perez Hilton, who gets 
millions of views and knows a lot of celebrities and a lot of people go to him for his, you know, gossip. And if you go on his website, you'll see like they'll do movies, we'll do ads where it's like the whole background of the like gossip page is movie ads. So I'm not sure. I don't, I used to read Perez Hilton when I was in high school. I don't cater to celebrity gossip anymore. So I don't check it ever, but I'm going to assume that he was doing promos for it. Probably. On his I mean, site. His, I know his site still exists. Oh, yeah. No, it is still, it's still very like a popular. Huge gossip, it's still right? a huge thing. I know he doesn't do like nudes anymore, though. No, he's like cleaned up his act a little. Yeah. Because um, he used to be super catty. That was his thing. Yeah. And like he'd highlight where people were fat and stuff. But he doesn't do that anymore, which yeah. is good. Yeah. So he's kind of, you know, you blow up and you realize you should probably be more. He doesn't post pictures of like paparazzi photos of kids anymore. He like took that stance when a lot of. Celebrity actors did that. So it makes sense. He's not horrible. He's not great. But uh, surprisingly for somebody who's literally famous for talking about celebrities. Yeah. Did pretty good. The tagline is one killer reunion, which. I love it. You can't ask for something. Like, I'm not looking for something amazing from a slasher. Like, I want the tongue-in-cheek. I want the pun. Like, give me a good pun, and, I, and I'll and i love it. And the, the poster is really good. It's so good. So the actual movie poster is our masked killer. And called his, The Graduate, dubbed The yeah. Graduate in the credits. So The Graduate is there. Um, you see him. You see a little bit of his mask. And then right over his chest, it says One Killer Reunion. And then it's the you know, the title of the movie, and it's awesome. Yeah, he looks cool. Like, our killer looks cool. He's wearing, like, a basic cap and gown, but he has a mask on, and, like, the the lighting is very good. He looks very imposing, very threatening. Uh, The mask is – because to me in the movie, the mask is, like, a little – actually what like i didn't really like the mask in the movie when they do close-ups on it, but in this picture I thought it looked really cool. So – but the DVD cover is awful because it's – they – they throw all the characters on on the cover like they have to, and you know. Typical slasher. Well, they have, yeah, you know, yeah. you see, you're going through the rows of Walmart. Yeah. And what what happens? You you know, you go through and you see, oh, I know that girl from Glee. Yeah. Oh, it's the Glee girl. Yeah. So that's how movies like this sell, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And when so. It's the actual product sitting on the shelf. And you can tell because front and center, it's the girl from he- Glee. Heather and Perez, Morris. Yeah, Heather Morris and Perez Hilton and then the rest of the cast kind of around. You know, it's funny though, is Jake, Jake Busey's not on the cover. Interesting. I wonder. His name he, is. Yeah, but he's not on there. Probably because he's so ugly. Like, sorry, I hope Jake Busey's not a listener. I mean, he's not ugly. He's just like, he is a goofy looking dude. It's how so it's, he, it's yeah. how he acts. Like he does it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. done well for him. Yeah. Also, in the film, they, like, put stuff on his teeth oh, yeah. to make them look all rotted, and he chews tobacco yeah, and no, try and he, play up his... So, he's like, but, you know, when you're throwing a crew of, a cast of, like, good-looking people, I use air quotes, to each they're their own. Attractive. They're all attractive. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're pretty, like, generic, yeah. movie-attractive, and... If you throw Jake Busey on there, you might start to think it's some sort of, like, comedy or satire. Because yeah. I could totally look at that cover. If you throw Jake Busey on there, I'm like, oh, what is this? A new scary movie? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So they've got it. And, you know, even Heather Morris is, like, on the spine. Yes. So they make sure. But, you know, that's, in some ways, that's good marketing. You know, it may not look the best, but if that's what's going to make people pick up this film or... I guess people don't go rent from DVD covers anymore, but if Unless they you did, live in Alaska. 
where Blockbuster is still thriving. Uh, Blockbuster is in a lot of places. There's three in Bend, Oregon. Fun fact. Weird. Yes. Uh, if you live in Bend, Oregon. I know Oregon. the most per capita is Alaska now. Vice just did a big article on it. And a bunch of people were like, I wish I lived in Alaska, so I still had movies. I mean, trust me, I know a lot about Blockbuster these days. Yeah, that's true. It, but it, this movie didn't get a Blu-ray release. Like, I, because when it, like, B and I were discussing buying every movie that we review, uh, like, talk about, and I was looking, and I was like, oh, Urban Legends is still, like, $25 on Blu-ray because it's out of print. Yeah. But it's Urban Legends, so it's not like I'm that's buying cool. Suspiria out of print. It's just, yeah. it's Urban Legend. But then this one, no Blu-ray, just DVD. Yeah. And, and then VOD, I mean, it's major releases VOD at this point. So how can people watch it? Uh, they, it's, I'd rent it on Amazon. So you can rent it on Amazon. It's available on Netflix. That's why I watched it. Um, so it's free on Netflix if you have a Netflix subscription. So if you guys want to watch it, um, you can buy it on Amazon and rent it on Amazon. And probably, like, if it's on Amazon to rent, it's probably on Voodoo and all yep. the other sites. But you'll probably be hard-pressed to find a physical copy. Yeah, and the DVDs still around 20 because it's hard yeah. to find. So, yeah. Uh, no sequels, although it does set up for one, you, like any good slasher is going to. It has to. Yeah, but there are none yet, although it is a new film. That's true. I mean, it got... It, it, I will say this, like, being involved in the horror community as much as I am, the consensus review-wise is really bad on this movie. Mm-hmm. But, but I have seen some, like positive feedback from fans just enjoying it for what it is of just like a fun slasher it's a it is a true paint by the number slasher and but you know the killer looks cool which is important he's themed and he sticks to it which is fun like that's one of my favorite things about the movie and so there there are parts of like the slasher like for hardcore slashers fans that it's going to strike chords with because there are those slasher movies that come out that you you look at your halloweens your screams you know your texas chainsaw and those movies are going to have like deeper messages and they're going to play a lot with allegory and then you're going to have your you know your uh, most likely to die in your what's that movie on the ski shredder and those are just going to be your paint by the numbers yeah here are six attractive people watch them die Awesome, sign me up. Yeah. And that's probably why, so at the time that this movie came out, and I watched it as soon as it went on Netflix, mm-hmm. because I saw it, and I was like, yep, this looks right up my alley. And I think part of the reason I really enjoyed it is because I've been just absolutely needing more slasher films in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came at a time where I was only getting it in Scream, the TV series, yep. and Slasher, the TV series. The first season was out at that time. Otherwise, the only movie you could see at the theater was paranormal mm-hmm. or i mean any of the the james wan yeah the wanaverse so you know? paranormal yeah like it's all paranormal Everything. type movies that it, that's what conquers Which, the box office what, at this I'm, point. I'm a fan of all of those i am but it still doesn't mean that i'm not just missing slasher films and mm. luckily it seems like we're getting a resurgence and i yeah just, got happy death day yeah. got victor crowley we've had some really solid slashers this year uh, so I agree with you. At the time, if you're craving this type of film, it answers that. It answers the need to just have a mindless slasher. Yes, it's a mind, like, yeah, it's not going to inundate you with, like, a bunch of, like, deeper thought-provoking things or be an allegory, but it, it is, it, it, it has its fun. So the deaths that take place, we do get a seven body count, um, 
and seven person body count and the deaths you know like b and i discussed with urban legend one of the main reasons we really liked it is because they they have a theme and they stick to them and it's the same with this the theme is uh each of the superlatives are how the people die so you know our first our first death is ashley played by skylar vallow it's off, the death's off screen, but she's the first one to like show up to the house. No one's there, and it's very much implied that she dies. And then they find her body, and she's strung up with lights. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a good. It's like yeah. a good reveal. Uh, it's a good like even though the the off, the the kills off screen. The kill. Yeah, the the um, presentation of it is good, and she you know they quick like they're quick to it too to realize. Her, she was most likely to get what she wants, and she wanted oh. her name and or no, she no, was she most likely to get her name and lights. Get her name and lights, yeah. And so that's that's where that is. And so right from the get go, we know what the basis for these kills is going to be, which also makes it a little fun because then you're looking at the superlatives on the wall and you're going, how are they going to kill this person? Which I think part of the reason why they discover it so quickly is because when they walk in the house, Ashley is missing. Mm-hmm. And they look to the wall, and they're like, oh, this is cool, and all their superlatives are up there. And then hers is X'd out, which we know happens from the killer. We know that. But sometimes I feel like movies take too long for the characters to understand that they are in danger and something's happening. Right. And It's like four kills in before they're finally like, we're in danger. Yeah. It's like, yes, you've been in danger. You've been in danger this whole time. And they're quick to... When they discover her body, they still aren't too concerned. And they aren't too concerned because Ray, who's whose house they're at, right. is missing. And well, they're definitely assume, concerned, but they're not like, they don't think fearful. they're yeah, in trouble. They don't think they're in trouble. They think maybe this is a prank. Or, or that he went off the deep end and killed her. Ray went off yeah. the deep end. Because Ray house. was dating Ashley as well. Like they were hooking up. So there's like lots of reasons. It's funny that you bring that up because one just just a week ago when we talked about Urban Legend, they take forever to finally believe that oh, a killer God. is involved. Like really the, like a long long movie. time. Like Pretty yeah, it's the it's the last twenty minutes yeah. that anyone believes the. Uh, I mean, Paul Jared Leto's character sort of believed, and the security guard didn't really until like the end of yeah, the movie. But like the whole time, her. the headmaster's like, no, 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 and the professor's like, these are just folklores, and like every all of her friends were like, you're being absurd. And they do that in Urban Legend because they're trying to make convince you that every single person they like could be the killer. Right. Right. But in this one, there's they're not really. They it's very not, quickly, it's it's Ray, because he's off screen. Yeah. So they're just like, oh, it's Ray. It's got to be Ray. There's a few, like, references here and there of, like, well, what if it's not Ray? Maybe it's one of us. Maybe it's Tarkin. Right. Tarkin is the caretaker of the house played by Jake, Bukey, Jake Busey, who's, who sets himself up as a creep. But if you're a slasher fan, you see him, and you're like, red herring. Like, yeah. immediately, you just, you're like, red herring. And he he's the next to die with the graduation cord. That's the cord on the hat. Uh, so or the, the cord around the neck. And rom- so it's, right. in this movie, it's yellow, but it's usually like you wear a cord for honors or right. whatnot. Um, and isn't he watching a girl change? So he's watching um, or is Bella. He watch- right. Bella is the model. She's the only outsider right. in the film. So she's getting changed, and this is where we see our very minor nudity for a slasher film. Yep. Um, you see her butt a lot, and then you see like some side boob. I don't think you ever see some nipples. Really, just some side boobs. No nips. No nips. Zero in this nips. One. And 
he's, you know, like, outside her window, like, chewing tobacco and, like, huffing and puffing. I don't know what he's doing, but grunt. I think he grunts. Uh, yeah. It's implied, I think, that he's masturbating. That he's like, well, you can see his whole body. but you, Oh, yeah, that's true. It's implying that he's very aroused. Right, yes. And our graduate comes behind him and strangles him with the cord. Right. And he's quick. Broad daylight, which I love. Always love a kill in broad mm-hmm, daylight. Mm-hmm. And he is quickly he's quickly eliminated. Yes. As are the one of the only red herrings they set up. They're just like, nope, not him. All right, let's move on. So it's got a good pacing to it, which I like. The yeah, the next so the next kill is Simone, who is uh she her superlative is she gets what she wants and right when they get it there to the house, she says, I wanna live in this hot tub all day or all weekend or something like yeah. that. Something along those lines. She's actually killed when everyone else is gone. That's when when they find Ashley. So technically we see Tark we see Tarkin die first. We know Ashley died first. We see Tarkin and then Simone is the next one to go. She goes All right, she was having sex. Yeah. She and she's was getting laughing. dressed. Yeah. She laughed a lot during sex yeah. with Lamont. Yeah. But she's getting dressed, all the lights in the house cut off, and then this is when we by the way, this is when we find out which is one of my favorite things, even though it is ridiculously silly, that the graduation cap is definitely razor edged because uh the killer Cuts her throat with the cap. Awesome. I'm pretty sure he cuts the th- throat while it's on his head still. Yeah, he yeah. that this is the this is yeah. the first kill with the cap, and yeah. he literally like shifts his head. Yeah, and then he goes in. He might go. He also uses a box cutter. That's sort of his his cap and the box the box cutter is the other red herring because yeah. at the beginning of the movie, Ray is using a box cutter to cut up some newspaper clippings, yeah. and so it's a very subtle. I'll give props to De Blasi. I don't think the script's amazing. I don't think the cast's amazing. But he did what he could with what he had. And, like, obviously, de Because it's very subtle. It's not like... It doesn't make a big deal of Ray using this box cutter. Because he's on the phone. It's a back-and-forth discussion between him and Ashley. He has the box cutter in his hand. And you realize... You do realize the killer has it. So I think it's a more subliminal push of you, like, Oh, it might be... Oh, look, he's in the box cutter. Because it does make you... It is one of those things that you could see... If it was Ray, because spoiler, it's not. But if it was Ray, it'd be one of those things that you'd go back and look at and you'd be like, oh shit, of course it was him. He was using the box cutter from the beginning of the movie. But also, I don't know if you paid attention, which is something that I did like about this movie is the title credits that we see. Um, At first I was like, oh, we're not going to have it. But it did its typical, we have our opening scene, we have our opening credits, and then we have our title credits. Mm -hmm. Um. Which we don't get in a ton of movies, and no. sometimes, like in in the Scream franchise, they do the opening scene, their opening kill, and then it just says Scream, right? And then that's their title credits. Yeah, this one actually has one. We see the whole cast, and I really liked it. Bad typography aside, <laughs> they show how the mask gets made. Oh, right. So yeah. he's cutting, and this is like another thing that sort of points it to Ray is the killer. You see his paper mache mask right, laying there, yeah. and he's cutting out the pictures of each one of them, and using that to make his mask. That's so cool, right? He's literally cutting them out with a box cutter and then paper macheing their faces to I make his mask. I like the concept. Mask. I just think his mask looks dumb once it's made. I don't like all the words being on it. But that's part of the gimmick. I get is that it, it's from but the yearbook. I just don't love it. 
you don't love how the execution of how it looks, but it's a good idea behind yes, it. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I think it looks cool from a distance. Yeah. When it gets close up, it's not the best. And this is the first kill that we see where the killer's close up. Right. Uh, the next kill is Bella. We're not delving into huge like character development or movement because there's not a lot. Like this is like I said, it's your standard affair slasher. They're running all over the place trying to figure out how to get away, and while it's happening, people are dying. That's that's the plot of the movie. Yeah, we barely get snippets of these characters. You get lives. a tiny bit of character development between the main character Gab Gabby Gabby so, Gabby and her best friend Jade who you find out is a lesbian, and that's what caused the rift between their relationship because she was embarrassed by it. But that's about it. And then you get some background between Gabby and also the main male interest. Um, what's his name? He lives. Brad. Brad. Um, who He's the movie star, and they used to date in high school. So there's a little teeny tiny bit, and it's mostly... It's mostly for to make one of the kills more impactful and then to make you think that maybe it could be Brad. And to perhaps be okay with, with, to help you understand maybe why these people are getting killed. Right. So well, they're anything, all pretty shitty. Yeah. So anything that we learn, which in the beginning they're sitting around the table and you get the glimpse of the fact that they are all in high school together. They were all on yearbook together, mm -hmm. which is how they all became friends. And then they terrorize this kid that they went to school with their entire lives and they put his picture each one of them played a role into getting this kid into the yearbook and his superlative being most likely to die they scratched out his face and put die on it so that's that is really what sets it up and they're like oh another thing that they maybe don't push enough is that they know they don't know if he's dead or not that's no. That is a thing because I just I just rewatched yeah. it as well, and I've watched it two or three times now. Literally forget that every time I watch yeah. it that that exists. It is a plot that is mentioned once and never mentioned again. Yeah. That that part of the plot of them being shitty people that ruined this kid's high school career, and then and the fact that he didn't die. Yeah, and and it's brought up once at the beginning and once at the end with the reveal, yeah. and that's it. And so I think that's a big thing, too. And I don't know if maybe that's because, like, director's choice, he didn't want you thinking it was this kid the whole time, and he wanted you to think it was someone who was actually there or introduced or what was happening exactly. But, yeah, that is kind of a weird thing they gloss over. And so the only real character development you get is you do find out that most of these people are really shitty people. Yeah, they've done a lot of terrible things, and if they haven't done terrible things, which is pretty much just Gabby... Yeah. It's their life has been forever altered and because of how they treated that kid. Mm -hmm. And she also has just happened. like cut herself off from everything yeah. she knew. Yeah. So the next kill we get is uh that's when we get Bella who's the outsider. She's the she's a model who is brought with the boyfriend, the ex boyfriend who's a movie star, played by Tata Miranda. And or is it Moran's? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry if you're listening to the show, Tatum. But she is decapitated by the graduation cap. It's actually probably, for me, it's going to be my favorite kill of the movie because she runs into the kitchen and Gabby's in there and she's freaking out because she thinks the killer might be in the house. And she's also, she's like trying to, um, I don't remember, she's looking around the house for something. And she runs in and Bella was supposed to be outside with DJ looking for the killer or no, looking for help. 
Um, and she runs in, and the killer immediately runs in after, throws the graduation cap, which cuts her, it cuts her throat, like it sticks into her throat, creates like a gash, and then he comes over and bends her over the island in the kitchen and rips her head off of her body. Yeah, and it's one of the, like, decapitation scenes are pretty hit and miss. They're pretty bad sometimes, especially when you have a bad head roll off. I watched, oh, that's one of the movies. I watched Halloween Resurrection, and there's a really bad decapitation scene in that movie. And this one was pretty solid. Like, the head rip is good, lots of blood. The head looks pretty good when it falls off. For for me, it's the kill the movie, and that's the Bella character who had nothing to do with, like, anyone. So I also felt like they could be a little more gratuitous and, like, super violent with her so they didn't have to get they didn't have to get super creative with how they kill her i think and one of the parts that i like about this character is i think it was really smart to bring in an outsider Mm -hmm. because she helps move along the plot because like we said the superlatives are on the wall and she's like what are these right it helps you and they're like then they start explaining like oh these are our superlatives that wouldn't really make sense to do if they all knew each other really well. She is the audience. Yes. Yeah. She and She's the conduit for the audience. Because if you were to have this movie and they started explaining that, I would feel, I would hate it. Yeah. Because I'd be like, oh, this is so dumb. Because yeah. no one would actually do that. Like, and they're just, it's like, I'm a really big comic book fan. And how they used to feel in comic books, this for years and years and years, was that every issue was someone's first issue. And so they every issue, the first couple pages were spent spent explaining everything to you, like you're dumb, like you don't know what's happening, and it drives you crazy. I get it for that that reason, but like when that happens in movies, it drives me nuts because I'm like, don't treat the audience like they're stupid, especially if this in this movie in particular, which they don't do. Thank goodness, if they were to treat me like I'm stupid, I'd be like, no, sorry, sorry, paint by the numbers slasher movie. I figured you out. It's fine. Yeah, it makes it for a good dynamic of the friends. And it really made me think it makes her, gives her the chance of like, well, maybe it's this girl. We don't know her. Mm -hmm. But even more so, which I realized as I was watching this. So, I mean, I've had the joy of my close friends who I see about once a week, Mm -hmm. very close with my friends. I've been friends with them for all of them for almost 10 years, which isn't super common. But... This situation could not happen to me. If I, like, all of these characters were close in high school, they were on, they were all friends, and they are going for their reunion, and they're meeting up the night before to catch up and have a little party, I have nothing to catch up with my friends. I see them every week. Right. I talk to most of them on a daily basis. There is no world in which I would think that any of my friends could possibly kill off Right. Any of my other, like, there's such a level of trust. What's so great about this is that they keep making comments, we don't really know each other anymore. It's true, they don't. They don't know the type of people, that's why they think maybe race snap. So it gives you a chance to think, hey, maybe these people that I knew in high school, and obviously a lot of us change in high school, and they weren't great people in high school either, so maybe they didn't really change that much have just gone off the deep end. Right. It allows you to have that level of distrust and sort of build this level of comfortableness. And it builds this dynamic between all of the characters where it's like, what the heck? Like, I don't know you anymore. We don't really know each other. You're right, you don't. You don't know who you can trust. And that's good. It's definitely like a common horror and slasher trope of the like 
the whodunit aspect, mm-hmm. which I think is almost every like it's involved in a lot of slasher movies. Is the aspect of who did it? Because I mean, yeah, you have your your Halloweens and stuff where you no, know who did Michael. it. Yeah, but when you get your like one off slashers, there that's a lot well, of even that. scream. Yeah, no, know. scream every yeah. time. You're like, who, who is so, it? Or there's, yeah, there are those slashers out there that like pride them. Um, Happy Birthday to Me did a really good job of like the whole movie. You're like, who is, like, what character is it? And then you're seeing characters die one by one, and you're like, oh, okay, so it's not this character. So it, think, it does do that. Yeah, which it's good. And I think there's a lot of ways to treat this where that wouldn't have been set up as good, where you'd be like, really? You're going to be convinced? Because there's a few moments that. And Scream is literally my favorite movie, which is why you hear us reference it all the time. Mm-hmm. There's moments where I'm like, you don't trust your boyfriend? Like, that just seems weird to me. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just the type of person I am. I'm never going to date somebody I'm not really comfortable with. But yeah, that's true. I never, like, that always kind of struck me as something weird. Where in this one, I'm like, I don't even trust any of those motherfuckers. Like, Oh, yeah, they're the they're least. Like, well, no, no. I wouldn't, if any of these people are my friends, I wouldn't trust them with no, anything. No, I'd be like, yeah. uh, yeah, like I wouldn't trust my purse to be left alone. Yeah, I wouldn't trust you to give me a ride yeah. somewhere. Be like, yeah, oh, absolutely. No, I'm good. Thanks. The next kill is Jade, who is the best friend, um, who uh, you find out she is a lesbian, uh, played by Tess Christensen. She is shot in the heart, most likely to break hearts, so she's shot in the heart on accident by Gabby. It's not, it's probably the weakest kill for me. I mean, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, it's very circumstantial. The whole mirror thing was super iffy. Like, basically, the killer pops up, and, like, she shoots at a mirror, and she's behind the mirror. Like, her friend is behind the mirror. It's very circumstantial. It's also, I don't like, I mean, she's shot in the chest. It's very much implied she was literally shot in the heart, which is so absurd to me. And it was, this to me was, like, the most, like, they had just had their big moment where they were like friends again and they trusted each other again and then she died. And I was like, I get like you're trying to create an emotional stake in this movie, which is fine. And like like most of the time for a movie to be – and it's true. This movie is not really good. It's it's enjoyable. It's it's fun to turn your brain off and watch. But like for a movie to be really good, you have to pull – like you have to pack an emotional punch. This movie shouldn't have tried though. That's the thing yeah. is I think is like it, it's the weakest kill – and also, it just didn't have, like, it didn't have the setup, it didn't have the story, it didn't have the acting to pull this kind of thing off, so it just falls flat for me. It falls flat, too. It is the weakest kill, and for all those reasons you listed, and also, it's, for the most part, which I, I like, wrote down, the characters on this are pretty smart, like, their behavior-wise. Like, we see that, uh, Fred Hilton's Freddy, uh, was, like, won't go to the bathroom alone. Right. As soon as he says that, I'm like, thank you. Like, this, that's normal behavior. Like, yeah. There's a few moments, but for the most part, the characters are pretty smart. I really like. There is a gun involved. Gabby has a gun. She doesn't aimlessly shoot. She waits and makes sure, and I really like that. Right. They send Lamont away to, yeah. like, go get help um, yeah. before he, re- he gets down the mountain and realizes his gas lines were cut. But they did send someone away yeah. to go get help. For the most part, the characters are pretty smart. Right. This is the dumbest Gabby acts because she shoots, she sees the graduate in the mirror. And this is something my husband pointed out because he watched it with me. He like got really upset. <laughs> she shoots because he's a big one for like the the real logic. The real logic. Yeah. He's like is really weird and like will deconstructs everything. Yeah. He wants to know how everything works. And so he, which is hard for him to be a slasher fan because of that. He can't separate his 
sense of logic. She shoots in the mirror, realizes that the graduate was a reflection, and she's just shot her best friend, Jade. But then she drops the gun mm-hmm. and goes to help Jade. And the killer, that means the killer was behind her. And he also takes the gun. And he takes the gun because she drops it. We find out why he doesn't shoot her later. He didn't want to. But also, I feel like that's a shoehorn just to explain the entire Jade kill. I think Jade could have been killed in a better way that leaves less plot holes open, that makes your main character smarter, and also more creative. You have a movie that's doing its best to be creative. It's not the best, It's but it's schlocky and it's like goofy and it's like, you know, a... Like, it's a callback to the 80s, even though it was written for the 90s and then came out in the 2000s. But it's a super callback to the 80s to have a, a razor-edged hat. Yeah. I think that's not something you're going to see in anything nowadays that takes itself seriously. And then you do, like, all this, and it kind of just, like, it, it demeans a lot of the movie by yeah. doing it. It is. It's especially because of her superlative, most likely to break hearts. They could have done some cool stuff with that. And I would have rather they ripped her heart out or something. Show me a heart. I don't know. Like, literally break the heart. She got shot in the heart. It's just, it's a boring kill. Yeah. And I also really fucking hate slasher movies that use guns. Like, even the end of Urban Legend, when she pulls the gun, I'm like, ugh, no. Like, and, and she comments on it, too. Rebecca Gayhart's character in that movie says, I guess this isn't really an Urban Legend, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, oh, you went the whole movie, and now you have a gun. Like, it's so boring. Like, but that's, that's part of... The intelligence of the characters. Right. Where Jade's like, hey, there's a gun here. Because nobody, that is a secluded house in a small town. In oh, no, I agree. Nobody lives in a secluded house in the mountains and does not have a gun. The protagonist using the gun, fine. The mm-hmm. antagonist use. if a slasher uses the a gun. The antagonist doesn't use the gun. At the end he does. True. But. When he isn't the graduate. Right. But like. It's kind I of feel weird. you. Um, the next kill is Lamont, which is probably my follow-up for best kill, after I remember what his superlative is. Lamont's running back from his his car, and he finds DJ on the ground. And if you want to go watch the movie, go watch the movie, because we're about to spoil who the killer is. It's DJ. Uh, DJ's laying on the ground, and he's like, what happened, man? I thought you were with Bella. And he's like, oh, I was. And then he grabs the hockey stick and like hits Lamont in the mouth with it. Uh, or in the face. In. Yeah. Well, then he takes it and he shoves the hockey stick through his throat and cuts his throat open. And so, like, it's a cool visual. I didn't – while watching it, I was like, did you have to cut his throat no, open? Yeah. I, like, literally – like, the visual is cool because it shows Lamont and you can see, like, the hockey stick in yeah. his throat. Yeah, it is But cool. I was like, why did you do that? Like, because that to me is also the kind of, like, 80s style yeah, of, like, this looks cool. Yeah, so, like, what – yeah. Uh, but in his superlative was most likely to eat anything. So it made because at first I forgot what his superlative was, and I was like, that was stupid. They just shoved a hockey stick in his mouth, and I was like, oh no, it's because he'll eat anything. I get it now. Yeah. But also that goes to talk about like how important if you choose to take theme killings, how important they are because so it can make or break a kill. Because when I didn't know that kill related to the superlative, I thought it was really dumb. But then when I found out it it did, I was like, oh, that makes sense. I like it more now. And it makes sense why the hockey stick is there. Because Ray's a hockey player. Yeah, because Ray's a hockey player. It's yeah. not like random. Like, they, this movie does so many things well. It's diminished by some poor acting. Which, strangely enough, the consensus from reviews from this movie seemed to be bad script, 
the director and the cast did well with it. I would say the the script is really bad. Yeah. I don't... Great theme. I don't necessarily agree with the performances. They're they're the weakest part of the film, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think... I think the script is better. I do, too. And I think... Um, I think, like, I, even our lead is not super likable. She's not. When she should be. I mean, she, I watched Glee when it was on, and her character in it, she was well-suited to play that character. Mm-hmm. But She's a dance. So, if people yeah, oh, don't yeah. know about Heather Morris, she was, like, a backup dancer for Britney Spears before she was discovered to be Glee. She's not trained as an actress. She's an incredible dancer, and she's a choreographer. That's her background. So we have our two people leading this film is a dancer and choreographer who that then got into acting and an internet personality who then went into acting. Those are kind of the people wrestling this. I think another bit, so we find out DJ played by Chad Addison is the killer and he it's kind of a convoluted loop around about how like he fills us in that the kid whose life they ruined did kill himself or like supposedly killed himself, jumped off a bridge, the Golden, Golden Gate Bridge. And so now DJ has come back in because he's just racked with guilt and he's going to kill everyone at the reunion as well. But he figured he'd start the night before. And he also wants our main character, Gabby, to do it with him. And he weirdly wants Perez Hilton to do it with him too. So I feel we kind of get a moment after Ashley's body is discovered in lights outside the shed where DJ and Gabby are talking. And Mm -hmm. he's like, if you go back, if you know who the killer is and you go back and you watch this scene, you're like, oh, he's trying to convince her that she was tricked into this by these bad people. That Brad was terrible to her and that she was a nerd just like him. So DJ's like this victim, like he was this nerd and he just went in with these like more popular kids because that's how you survive high school. Yep. And he was going to turn out like the most likely to die kid, which they call John Doe. That's like their, his name is John. I forget his last name. Yeah. But that's like their, it's pretty fucked up nickname for a kid, like John Doe. They torture this kid and DJ's like, well, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. So I better get in with these guys. And he's, he's guilted for that because I think he feels like, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. And he looks at Gabby, who apparently was like a band dork or something. Yeah, that's turned, what it says. She used to yeah. be a band geek. And yeah. then turned into this cheerleader type and started dating this bad boy Brad. And and then she was still... He's trying to victimize her, who... I mean, she doesn't really play the role as that, mm-hmm. which I think is good. Because, you know, we find out that she gets pregnant and she has... No, that's like the minor character development for her and Brad is that... She gets pregnant in high school, he flips out, she gets an abortion, and he stops talking to her. He bails on her, he doesn't even come with her, and so she's, like, very upset with him because of that situation. And so we have DJ trying to be like, yes, you are a victim, I am a victim, we ruined this kid's life together, but it's because of Brad, it is because of Simone, it's because of Lamont, Um, it's because of Jade, it's not because of us. So he chooses her to be not really sure. Maybe he sees Freddie. We learned that Freddie was an alcoholic. He kills his boyfriend. By the way, we have two gay characters mm-hmm. in this, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, finds out he's drunk driving, kills his boyfriend, and becomes sober because right. of it. 
And maybe that's why, because he feels like, but that's a really terrible thing to do. Right. But he's definitely like, like scapegoating a lot. And he's also victimizing and, and like he's laying blame on people. I think part of the reason ultimately this movie falls like short of being like good instead of just okay for me is I, nothing about Chad Addison, DJ, the character, once he takes the mask off is menacing to me at all. He doesn't play psychotic well. Like says the guy who complained about Rebecca Gayhart's psychotic. At least, I mean, at least hers was. If you're gonna go for it, go for it. Like yeah. he's just like he literally plays it like I'm gonna be really wide eyed and make awkward like jokes because yeah. I'm nervous, so I'm making these weird jokes. But like I didn't think he's not menacing. Also, like he's very he's a little gangly dude. Like, even even the guy that, like, you are led to believe is the killer, Ray, who is at this point revealed to have been in his trunk the whole time, that dude is massive, and he's ripped as shit. Yeah, and, like, I'm like, how did you, you didn't kill this dude, how did you beat him up and stick him in your trunk? Surprise. Yeah, so, and we've talked about that when we have our female killers. Right. Like... Uh, Rebecca Gayhart's character mm. in Urban Legend. Because whoever plays the killer is obviously it's not It's obviously her. not a small... I don't know, like, how tall Rebecca Gayhart is in real life, but she's probably... If she's an average woman, she's probably about 5'5". Five five. She's also very petite. And she's very petite. She's... I'm a pretty small girl. She's smaller than me, for sure. She's small. And then we're led to believe that she's doing these really violent killings, and she isn't being played under the mask. We learn that the graduate's actually played by this very ripped man, Ray. Yeah, the character, the actor who plays Ray, uh, is the person who's playing the graduate. So Jason Tobias plays the graduate, but then you're, it, it's revealed that Chad Addison is the in-movie killer. Yeah, doesn't match up body frames at all, which makes sense because I would definitely be intimidated by someone who's built like, uh, you know, Jacob Tobias is Jason Tobias. I would not be physically intimidated by someone, and I'm also. I'm not like I'm nothing to like scream and shout about as far as like physical domineering. He's as tall as me. Yeah, I'm and not like, but Chad Addison, like I would never look at that dude and be like, oh, I'm kind of worried he wants to fight me. Like if he wanted to fight me, like eh, I could take him. Like he's a, he's a scrawny dude. Like yeah. that's he's kind of like he's built as like the scrappy dude, and that's even his high school character was like the scrappy guy who was just doing what he could to fit in, and and I don't think he plays killer very well. I think the motivation is. A lot. It's long-winded. It's it like takes a lot to get. I get it, but also at the same like it for me. I'm like so this kid who wasn't your friend died, and you feel bad because you helped kill him. So you're going to kill the people that you did become friends with to avoid being like this kid. And and it just is a lot for me to like. I'm like I don't know. It 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 takes a lot to get there. I could I could understand like in a real life situation something like this happening and feeling like an awful person. I couldn't understand being like, now I'm gonna kill you. So it's interesting because when you're talking about like you wouldn't be physically threatened by him, and that's what helps being behind these costumes. Right. Um, it helps make them seem more menacing, and being clever and sneaky is what helps them pull off these kills, even though those characters physically probably aren't able for it. So I think probably what's interesting is that you don't believe him as being a killer because he's not this, like, menacing guy. So he needs to be crazy. Right. He needs to be 
Rebecca Gayhart level crazy. Right. Where you're just like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Where he's you unhinged know? and he's, he's not. He's super unhinged because that is the only way somebody kills their friends. When he uh, reveals you himself. You have to be a psychopath. Yes. And when he comes out at the end to reveal himself, he seems paranoid, not unhinged. Yeah. Like he still seems like he's jumping at shadows. Like he's. Like, at every turn, he's worried. He's, like, watching his back, afraid someone's going to get him, like, even when he has the gun. Like, he never... Like, Rebecca Gayhart is not a physically domineering person, but, like, she is fully confident of herself that entire movie. And because she knows she... Because, well, because in her head, she knows, I'm going to kill these people. Yeah. I'm determined to kill these people. Because they've done me wrong. For him, I never got that. Like, for him, I'm sitting there, and he's still, like, he's begging the characters to come with him. Like, come with me, please! And I think that's a flaw in the script, and I mm-hmm. think that's a flaw in the direction. Yeah, I agree. It's not taking that character either direction. Because if you want him to be this paranoid, like, oh, God, like, I'm only doing this because, like, I have so much guilt, and and I can't handle going to a reunion, and he killed himself, so I have to avenge him. Like, if you want to play him, like I think they were trying to do as this, like, really nervous paranoid character you still have to sell that more. yeah and mm-hmm. the actor just couldn't really pull that off pick pick one be deranged and psychotic be physically be like michael myers where you are just like quiet and physically like fuck yeah when you see him like oh my god yeah or you play which they tried to paranoid terrified right led to do really terrible things because you are living with so much guilt and i think another it's like, you have to be smarter well the juxtaposition that character has to yeah. be smarter and the juxtaposition of the characters a lot of times when you watch a movie where you get a character who is more that paranoid that like you like a lot of the times their kills are like that too like they're very like they're very frantic they're very like um rushed and hurried they're not super thought out they're like you know, they're crimes of almost passion. Like, when you watch a movie like Maniac, yeah, like, you have a character that you can tell is being overwhelmed by his feelings and how he, like, like what is attacking him mentally and emotionally, and he lashes out. Yeah. This character is very, like, thought out. He's using themes. He's doing things like that. He's very... So it doesn't my, fit. It doesn't yeah. fit at all. Yeah. yeah you're right. So it's, it a, it's a script problem, and it is a direction problem. But I'd say, overall, the movie is enjoyable. Like, if mm-hmm. you're... I mean... If you're listening to this, you're probably a fan of Slashers or one of our friends, so thank you to all of our <laughs> friends who are supporting us. But if you're a fan of Slashers, like, go into this knowing what it is, and I think you'll enjoy it. I, uh, like, you know, I don't usually rewatch movies I hate, even, and, like, I have rewatched this one outside of just watching it for the podcast. So Yeah, be- I could easily... It'd be even more rewatchable if it was a little bit more fun. Like, they try and play at, like, Brad's character like says when he's like laying on the couch it's a scream reference he's like if this were a movie i'd be the killer right which is like yep because you're the boyfriend that's like done something wrong you would be the killer so they try and play on that and those were that was probably in the original script they made like perez makes a couple freddie's character makes a couple comments like how archaic it is to like have a a high school reunion with facebook like he makes that comment so they do try and have a little bit of to that retrofit the script. And retrofit yeah. the script, too. Yeah. And it does some things, like, overall, I do, I really like this movie. It has its flaws. It's would really suit itself with a better cast. Cinematography is nice. Mm-hmm. It has, for a low um, budget, it looks good. For a good. low budget, I, I should look up the guy. I looked it up and I forgot. He has some really good credentials. 
um, the cine cinematographer for this. So it looks good for how low budget it is, such a low production company. It has some really good moments. My favorite, besides that kill, my favorite is the scene where Gabby's character finds herself like in the locked gate in between oh, the two yeah. buildings. Mm -hmm. And she's stuck. And that is the... This film doesn't have a lot of scares. Mm -mm. Not a lot of jump scares, not a lot of tension. No. It's, it's really more on the fun side. This is the most tension-filled scene, and it does it very well. Right. She's trapped. There's a gate behind her, but it's locked. And the killer comes down, and he's slow. And he grabs up a water bottle and does the... With the water bottle. Mm -hmm. It plays in with the theme. It's... She's trapped. It finally, like, musically does a really good job. And well, it it's also... Tension. It's a very cat and mouse, which is a yeah. slasher trope. And, you know, like... I think that I, that's definitely one of my favorite parts of I Know What You Did Last Summer is the Sarah Michelle Gellar running away from the killer. So, like, any moments like that. Also, confined in an yeah. alley, alleyways, anything like that yeah, is like always that. good. They were, like, in, in between the house and the fence. Yeah. Um, but anything like that's good. I agree. It has its moments. You can tell it just suffered from a lack of a budget. It was probably made very quickly. Like, the turnaround, I would bet, is fast. Yeah. And... And it suffers because it came out ten years after it was, or twenty years after it was supposed to. I bet that line of if I if I was the, like oh if this was a movie, movie I would I bet that would have sold a lot better if it came out a year after Scream. Yeah. Because everyone was like ah I get yeah, it. Billy Loomis. Yeah, but like twenty years later, it's like me and B get it, but like anyone else is gonna be like, Sasha's haven't been relevant in ten years. Yeah. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. So no, I, I get it. On our at the end of every episode, you know, we didn't talk about it too much on the last one because Urban Legend was our first movie. But at the end of every episode, we do want to rank where they fall for us. And you know, the point of this is to dissect slashers. It's not to trash on movie. I understand how long it takes to make a movie. I do want to be critical of things, and I'm going to say things like, "I don't think this person's a very good actor." I'm not going to lie, but also I do want to be like mostly optimistic and also just celebrating slashers because we love them so much and. Yeah, I know all you guys grew up in the 70s and 80s. We're lucky to get one like every other week. But we don't get that anymore. So we have to deep dive into these old ones. So uh, we do want to like rank them and just say where they are on like our list of slashers. There's only two. I'm gonna. I'm personally putting this under Urban Legend. Ooh, a tough call. Tough call. Yeah. Just kidding. This yeah. is leagues behind Urban Legend. Yeah. Urban Legend is a wonderful great excellent movie i think urban legend is slick i think it's fun i think like the theme like i've actually really liked the theme in this too but i you we know two themed movies but, you can tell what we're in the yeah for. but urban legend also had the um you know it was lucky enough to come out actually when it was supposed to come out and it was able to tap into that and we i did see it around the time when it came out i mean i saw this around the time it came out too but i did see when it so like the cultural zeitgeist and everything plays into things i'm gonna put this under urban legend though um yes yes but so urban legend it's number two on our list yeah we'll number two see. of two in last place yeah. but it won't be there forever maybe i don't know it I, doubtful on, yeah doubt, I, I don't yeah. think so consensus wise i really like this movie i think it's fun and i think it's rewatchable which i think is a very important characteristic of a slasher film mm -hmm. And I think it's an easy one to watch by yourself. Probably mm. more fun. I think it's more fun in a group. Probably. In a group. Which I've never done. 
I've watched only it watched both it times alone. alone. Yeah, yeah, I've only watched it alone. The first time I saw it, and then I watched. Well, okay, you watch it with Ben, but I think with a larger group yeah. of people, uh, like I watched so it one... with a very negative uh, Ben next to me, who was like his consensus after it was lame. That was the only thing he said, which I get. I totally get it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So that's our second episode. Thank you to everyone who has supported us so far. Uh, if you go to keepscreaming.com, we will be doing uh, posters for every single movie that we discussed. They're limited edition posters. They are available to buy through there. You can find us online at, at – it's uh, Screaming Cast if you want to find us on Twitter. And uh, you know we'll throw up our link to the website. Also, the link is just in the bio for the website there. And that way you can find the way to the poster. We're also going to have our list on there. We're going to have little blurbs about the episode. We are up on iTunes, so you can rate, review, subscribe. We'll be up on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Play, pretty much anywhere you can download podcasts, hopefully within the next week. Uh, If you want to find me online, obviously you can find me at keepscreaming.com or tweet at ScreamingCast. You can also find me at Ryan Larson on Twitter. I run my own website, which is ghastlygrinning.com. We had our launch week this week, which is a horror media website that is based on positivity and uh, focuses on uh, academic view of horror movies and the celebration of horror movies instead of reductivity and breaking them uh, breaking them down. Uh, and yeah, that's where you can find me and where you can find the podcast. And B, tell them where you, they can find you. Um, again, you can find me. Doing things for Keep Screaming. The posters will go up on there. You can find me on Twitter at B not B, B E E not B E A, because I spell my name like the Bumblebee. Uh, you can find me on there and on Instagram as well. B not B. Um, just find me designing, talking about television, horror movies on both of those platforms. And yeah, that's what we're working on. Yep, and we will tweet at you soon to let you know what the third week movie is. We're going to try to let you guys know a little bit ahead of time from now on, so if you want to watch it, you can, and then agree or disagree with us, and you know, tweet out to us and let us know what you thought. And we will be back in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.